you'd expect on a day at church that we would talk about prayer. Because the Bible is full of prayer, and maybe you grew up with prayer. Maybe you grew up with prayer that always seemed like only special people could do it, and ordinary people, it was outside of your possibility to actually talk to God. And yet, as I read the Gospels, Jesus invites us to pray. In fact, God sends his son, Jesus, into the world, and he models it for us. I mean, he's, he's the eternal son of the Father in, in, in perfect unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit, this triune God. And yet here he is on the earth, and we see him in the Gospels praying, praying, praying. And on one such occasion, the disciples are watching Jesus, and they're like, isn't this amazing? He's, he's there, he is, he's praying again. And, and they've seen him do miracles, they've seen him teach, they've seen him do all these things. And, and he finishes his prayer, and finally they come to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just like John taught his disciples how to pray. And, of course, the answer that you might expect is like, well, prayer is reserved for especially spiritual people, people of the cloth, people trained in theology, people who have gone through the right rituals and the right motions. But he says, okay, well, let, let me tell you then how to pray. And we find this in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 where it says Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he stopped, one of his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So John had little prayers that he would teach his disciples to pray, and so they're like, Jesus, do you have some prayers for us? Maybe you grew up thinking that prayers were special little secret, you know, incantations that you offered that, you know, you know if I say this, then I'm going to get this. But the Bible doesn't teach prayer like that. Um, you know, you may notice, I don't come up here with a prayer book. Why? Because I don't believe that there's, there's a prescribed group of prayers that I need to offer every Sunday morning. I, I think prayer is more of your relational communication with God. And that's what Jesus teaches here. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, may your name be honored, may your kingdom come. Do you notice he is assuming of us, the disciples of, and followers and believers in Jesus Christ, that we will pray. He doesn't say, well, no, you really can't pray because you're not spiritual enough. You don't, haven't been trained. You haven't gone to seminary. You're not this. You're not that. He just says, when you pray, this is, a, this is the, the template for prayer. Not this prayer is especially a secret formula, but, but here is the general guideline for prayer. You approach God as your father. There's a relational connection in prayer. And notice it starts with God first, right? If you are like me, and especially, you know, in my younger years, so every time that I felt motivated to prayer was when I was in trouble, right? Or when I had a need or something desperate. There was a girl I really wanted to date. I'm praying about it, you know. And then, you know, Lord, I need this. Or I needed money. And I'm like, I'm going to God for my needs. I'm bringing the shopping list. I'm throwing in the laundry list. Lord, I need you to clean up this mess in my life that I've caused. And then that, we think, is prayer. But he says, don't start with your junk, Recognize who you're talking to. Father. I mean, you, you parents, you get this, right? Um, we get this. 
if the only time that our kids come to us is when they need something, that's not a real healthy relationship, is it, right? Um, you know, we, you know, uh, you know our, our, our son calls us and he needs help with an assignment and he's talking about his assignment, what should I do with this? And, and we just want to talk to him and find out how he's doing, what's happening, what's, what's it like, you know, how's basketball going? And, and he just wants help with his assignment. We're like, come on, come on, let's get to the relational stuff, son. And our father says that to us. Yeah, yeah, I know you got a list. I know you got some cleaning up to do. But can we just start with the relationship piece here? When you believe in Jesus Christ for the promise of eternal life, you are forgiven of your sins and you're brought into this relationship with God. You're adopted into his forever family and now you have a father. And so Jesus says, you can now pray directly to the almighty, all-powerful, sovereign creator of the universe and you can address him in familial terms, father. Isn't that amazing? He says, and your first concern with prayer is that his name would be honored in the, the way we recite it. It's hallowed be thy name, or may your name be honored, or may your name be made holy. May you get the respect that you rightfully deserve. May your reputation be known throughout the ends of the earth. May everyone know how great you are, how wonderful you are, how amazing you are. May your name, your reputation, your character be magnified and known throughout the whole earth and in my own life. Okay, notice I'm not even bringing my list yet. I'm saying, God, I have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. You're my father. I'm saying, yes, I want your name, your reputation, your character to be known, to be given the respect that it's due. This, we, we call this praise, you know, where we glorify God. And then, uh, of course, that, that's his reputation. And then, of course, we're, we're thinking about his rule and his reign. May your kingdom come. And as we pray, we're, 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 first of all, reminded we're in relationship with God. Secondly, reminding how great he is, his name be honored. Third, we're reminded that he has a perfect plan that will find its consummation in his earthly kingdom and in his eternal kingdom. And so, we, so in our prayer as we begin, we're not even yet dealing with our own list of stuff and, and laundry list, shopping list. We're just saying, you are awesome. You are my father. Your name is glorified. And I know that in the end, your kingdom will come and you'll establish righteousness and, and perfect rule on this earth. Here's the problem, right? You watch the news, you get those emails, you, you see all this stuff and you see the messed up world in which we live. You see the crazy ideologies that are being spewed out there, like, like, a, like you know, a child with, you know, you know, robo-vomit. You know, it's like, woof, 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 it's coming out. And you're like, what am I supposed to do in this world? And then in prayer, I say, your kingdom come. And it's a way of resetting my heart to say that, no, 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 none of this is going to last forever. God will make this all right. And I want to live in recognition of God's ways are the right ways and the best ways and ultimately are the ones that are going to prevail. So, so even if the world doesn't acknowledge his rulership and his reign and his authority and his leadership, I am going to. Why? Because someday I'm going to be in his kingdom forever. May your kingdom come. It's a good to remind yourself this is not the best that it's going to be. Some of you want your best life now. You're never going to get your best life now. Don't settle for such a cheap version of life. The kingdom is coming. The best is yet to come. And as I begin my prayer journey, I'm, I'm talking about my relationship. I'm talking about how great God is. And I'm remembering that, yeah, as bad as it might be or appear to be now, the best 
is still coming. And I'm going to live my life in recognition of his leadership. And, and, and even if the world doesn't, I am a, a loyal servant to my king. May your kingdom come. And having made that all clear, and feeling the peace of knowing that you're God's child, knowing that, that his name is, is incomparable and unparalleled in all of the universe, and realizing that his perfect plan will come to fruition in an earthly kingdom, in this millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom, that, that, that we can just have confidence today. And at this point, then we say, okay, Lord, now let's get to my junk. <laughs> he says that in verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread. Um, in the ancient Near East, first century, many of the people worked, and, and you worked, and you got paid at the end of your day, you went to the baker, you bought your bread, you took it home, and you fed your family. You went back to work, you got paid, you went to the market, you bought some food, you went and fed your family. That was the cycle. You didn't work. You didn't get paid, you didn't buy food, you didn't feed your family. And so there was a significant dependency that the day laborer had. And here in prayer, the disciple of Jesus Christ says, I need you, Lord, every day. If you read the Old Testament, you understand as the Israelites we were moved from Egypt towards the promised land. They wandered around the wilderness for about 40 years. And every day in the wilderness, God, they'd wake up, they'd go outside their tents, and there'd be this stuff on the ground, manna. And they would collect enough for the day. If they collected too much, that turned into worms and moldy. It was disgusting. But God was like, you need to trust me every day. Just get enough for the day, and that's all you collect. Well, sure enough, people go out, they're filling it, they're stuffing under, you know, in their tents, and the next day it's full of worms. And like, God's like, just trust me. And for almost four decades, God looks after them every day. And so Jesus says, in your prayer, you can daily express that you are dependent on God completely for your provision, for the present of your life, for, for this moment that, God, you know everything that I need, and I'm coming to you today for my daily bread. Some of us, you know, I've got freezers full of food, and we've got pantries full of food. I mean, I grew up in a home with two freezers and a jar room, and, you know, just, I mean, we could feed the whole village for a week, you know, for a year, you know, my house, you know, but, you know, so it's like, you know, you don't think, I don't need daily bread, but the reality is we do need God every day. Give us each day our daily bread. And the truth about this is that God actually wants to connect with you daily. If God gave you enough for the rest of your life, you'd be like, oh, I don't need to talk to you anymore because I got everything I need. But, but daily bread says, no, no, I'm coming to you because every day I need you. My need of you doesn't stop just because I have an abundance in my pantry or my freezer. I need you, Lord. And I recognize that, that you give me everything that I need for provision. We also need his purification. See this in verse 4? Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and do not lead us into temptation. So he's like, you know, the reality is the first part of that verse is, is we need purification. We need God's forgiveness. This is not the initial forgiveness that God offers you when you believe in his son, Jesus Christ. That is a, a judicial act where he declares you not guilty. 
And he gives you a new standing as his child and as an heir with Christ and an inheritance with, with him in heaven. I mean, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven forever all of your sins. This is the reality of a broken fellowship. You know, this is when you don't do what your parents ask you to do or you say something in anger to your spouse and, and you, got, you got to come back and say, I'm sorry, I, I did that. Would you forgive me? And so you restore the relationship and you restore the fellowship. And he says, the reality is all of us are going to blow it. And so daily we come to him and say, yeah, Lord, I, I need you to forgive me for that attitude. Forgive me for those words. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me, you know. And, and we all have those. And all of us every day. And in prayer, we bring that before him and we find that God forgives us and, and then he, he cleanses us and, and he purifies us and, and, and we get it right. But also we realize that as I spend time with God and as I recognize his character and as I, he reveals himself to me, I begin to reflect his character. So if I receive forgiveness, then, then I too am going to be an extender of forgiveness to others. And that's hard. Yeah, the people that tick you off, people that stepped on your toes, people that have hurt you. I choose to forgive. Why? Because God's forgiven me. And it's in prayer that I'm brought to this recalibration. I'm going to be a person of grace and peace. Why? Because God is a God of grace and peace to me. And he says, do not lead us into temptation. So we're talking about the present, give us our daily bread. We're talking about the past, our, our sins. And now we're talking about the future. Lord, you know I blew it in the past, and now I need your help in the future. I know God doesn't lead people into sin. The scriptures don't say that. Even some weird theologians are like, God wills for you to sin for his glory. That's a bunch of bunk. You are led into temptation by your own desires. God doesn't cause you to sin. I mean, you are the screw-up, not God, right? So you mess up your sin, God's forgiveness. But you can say, Lord, help me not to, to choose that path. That when I'm faced with the option, Lord, give me the courage to do the right thing and not the wrong thing, right? This is what you're praying for. Lord, when, I, when, when I'm on the internet, keep that stuff away from me. When I go to the mall and I see those sales, you know, freeze that credit card in my pocket so it can't come out, Lord. You know, whatever it is, right? When, when, when I have that juicy tidbit, shut my tongue up so I don't tell that lady that's going to share it with 100 people. Help me, Lord, because I'm weak. You know, when I'm out with my girlfriend, help me to know when the hour is to end the date so I'm not going later and later and facing bigger, bigger temptations. Doing the right thing. But Lord, help me because I am weak. But you are strong. Lead me not into temptation. Help me not to act out of fear, Lord. Because that's such a huge motivator in my life. And the whole world just screams fear into my ears. But as I listen to you, I, I, I hear peace. I hear comfort. I, I hear strength. I hear victory. So help me, Lord, not to fall into those temptations. And we're invited to pray this. So what happens if you don't pray this prayer? You're probably going to fall into temptation. And you're going to have to back up and, and pray the prayer before that. Forgive us our sins. And you're going to have to, you know, and back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. But so it's like pray that God would give you victory for the future. And that ends the abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer in Luke's Gospel. Because Jesus immediately jumps into a story in verses 5 to 8. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, 
Lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine has stopped here while on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Then he will reply from inside, don't bother me. The store is already shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Right? This is the, the Middle Eastern house. Everyone's in one room. Maybe, I mean, you know, we got a big family. And when we travel, sometimes we'd all kind of pop into a hotel room together. You know, you're just kind of all in the, you know, each other's space. Literally, they probably were like just, you know, beds everywhere. He's like, I, I'm going to step on a kid if I get up right now. I, I can't get up. And he says, in verse 7, then he will reply from inside, do not bother me. The door is already shut. My children are in bed. Cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though the man inside will not get up and give him anything because, he's, because he is his friend, yet because of the first man's sheer persistence, he will get up and give him what he needs. It's an interesting story. One that we struggle to understand because we don't get the cultural nuance behind the story here. And even the translation is not completely accurate because there's this issue of honor and shame at stake here. Someone has had a guest show up in their house and the, new, the Middle Eastern hospitality code is you feed them. They've been traveling all day. They haven't eaten supper. They show up at your house and you're obligated to put food on the table. You don't have any food, but you know your neighbor had the oven out there earlier in the evening and you saw him baking a bunch of flatbread and stacking them in, you know, in his house for breakfast and you, you know he's got extras. And so because of your honor and the honor of the village and the need to extend hospitality, you get up and you knock on the neighbor's door. Yeah, I know you're in bed. I see there's no light on the house, but I need some bread. Would you help me out? And of course, implied in this story is of course the good neighbor is going to get up because the honor of the village is at stake here. Now, we don't understand this because we don't have the same code of hospitality in North America and Canada, although maybe some of you grew up in homes that had a semblance of this, right? I, I, um, you know, I, I know certain people, if I was driving through the night and I landed at their house, uh, I could wake them up and they would get out of bed and they would be glad to have me. I have other people, and I have one family person, you know, I, we drove to their place, we stayed in, in our, we just slept in our car overnight, we got up in the morning, they knew we slept in our car, and they said nothing about it, they, they didn't bother them. Here, it's like, no, no, I have to extend hospitality. Would you get up and help me? And of course he gets up, and of course he helps, because it's the right thing to do, and it's the honorable thing to do. And God is like, I, I, I'm here to help you. Uh, Gary Burge in his little commentary talked about, you know, he was in the Middle East and he, he had sponsored this girl from Egypt with World Vision. So he was in Egypt and he, he arranged with World Vision to go visit this little girl. And so the World Vision guy picked him up and drove him into this poor part of Cairo and, and this very, you know, poor, you know, apartment building. And they went up into this flat and it's, you know, very much the, the lower end of, of, of the scale of living in the city and, and very poor people. And they opened the door and, of course, they're dressed in their nicest clothes and they, they let him in. And, and all of a sudden, the guy with a big grin on his face brings out this case of Coke. Shunk. And Bird said, you know, I don't really like Coke. 
I wasn't going to have a Coke. And the, the interpreter's like, no, no, you, you don't understand. You have to drink one Coke. And in fact, I would recommend you drink three Cokes while you're here. It's like, really? He's like, no, no. Like they, they went through a lot to get this case of Coke for you here today. So you need to show appreciation by drinking. So, so yeah, I drank three Cokes. And, uh, and as I'm going down the stairs, all these neighbors are looking out and they're waving at me and smiling at me. And then the interpreter says, yeah, guess what happened? Basically, that person went through the whole building and collected money so they could buy a case of Coke so they could show you hospitality when you came to their house. This is the code we're talking about here. God is not this grouchy neighbor that doesn't get out of bed for us. He is this gracious, generous, honorable host that does everything to help us in our point of need. He delights to answer our prayers and to hear us and to communicate with us. And so in verse 9, he gives us the command. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And really, you could almost translate it, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Don't stop knocking. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop asking. But as you do prayer the way Jesus prescribes it, you will begin to ask for the right things. Because sometimes we ask for the wrong things, for the wrong motivation. And God's answer is no. Why? Because he's a loving father. You guys get this. It's hunting season, right? But you guys are going to be pulling out your, your firearms, which you handle properly and you store in a legal manner and et cetera, et cetera. And your three-year-old's going to come up and say, hey, daddy, let me play with your gun. And you'll be like, no, you're not touching this. And they want to grab the clip and they want to play with bullets. You're like, no, this, these are not for three-year-olds to play with. And they're, and the other, they're going to cry because they want to play touch your, but you're like, no, you need to go through the course and get the proper training and, and, and you know, know how to handle this because this, this is a, you know, a sporting, uh, you know, a piece of sporting equipment that is dangerous and yet handled properly is fine. You're cleaning under the sink, and you know you got the bottle of bleach there and the bottle of Mr. Clean, and your kid, well, you know, let me take a drink of that. No, you're not taking a drink of that. Why? Because it's, it's harmful. It'll hurt your, it'll destroy your life, you know. And so we do the right thing for our children. Why? Because that's what parents do. Sometimes God's answer to us is no. And then we pout. We complain. We stop talking to God. When all along, he's just doing what's in our best interest. I mean, thank the Lord he didn't answer my prayer for that girlfriend, you know, because I wouldn't have had a Lisa. Like, so I'm like, yeah, thank you, Lord, that you said no, 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 no. Took me a while to hear. I am half deaf, but, you know, it took me a while to finally, you know, get the message. Okay, Lord, I got it. You know, you wanted to do this. And he's like, no, I, I think you should do this. And you're like, no, I want to do this. No, you need to do this. And then, then you realize, oh, that is the better way. And, and we don't always see the big picture, but God does. That's why we go to him in prayer. If he doesn't answer us immediately, we just keep asking. And then we say, Lord, am I asking the right thing? And then he might say, well, no, you're actually not asking the right thing. Okay. And then we read his word and we discover, oh, this is his will. So I need to ask in accordance with what his word says. If we pray without the Bible, we're going to be praying amiss and, and, and misdirectedly. But as we read the scriptures, then we can pray with intelligence and specificity and accuracy. Ask, seek, knock. And he says in verse 11, Who, um, what father among you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? 
I mean, what kind of a sick dad does that, right? Now, this is the Sea of Galilee. Imagine the bottom of the sea are these little eels, right? They are a scaleless fish. In the Jewish way of life, they're unclean. You don't eat those things, right? So as a fisherman would take up the net, they'd throw those things back, and the seagulls would eat them, whatever they'd do with them, right? But they, 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 didn't, they, they were unclean. You didn't eat those things. But it's like, imagine your kid asking for a fish. You know, they want a trout. They want a nice, you know, walleye fillet or whatever it is, and you throw them this eel. Ha, 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 you know? And then, and then it gets worse, right, in verse 13. Um, sorry, or, yeah, verse 12. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Right now, sometimes I guess those little white scorpions would kind of roll up and look like a ball, right? So, hey, Dad, can I have an egg? Oh, sure. And you throw the scorpion at him, right? And he grabs it and it stings his hand and, ah, you know, and, and so what would happen if you encountered a dad like this? You would get on your phone and call social services, right? That's what you do. Yeah. There is a, there's a guy here you need to, you need to pick up. Yeah. Uh, and, and put his children in, in a nice home. <laughs> would you please lock them up and, and uh, make sure it's rough on the way there? Yeah. I mean, th- that's the truth, right? What kind of sick dad does that? And how much more does our Father in heaven know what we need? You see that in verse 13? If you then, although you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Or in Matthew would say, good gifts to those who ask Him. But he's like, God will give you the ultimate gift. His very literal presence indwelling in your life. And now Luke is looking ahead, right? As he writes the gospel, Jesus has already been crucified. He's already risen from the dead. He's already promised the Holy Spirit. His second edition, the book of Acts, will talk about how the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and indwelt them and sealed them. And so he's like, Jesus is going to give you the ultimate gift. The Father will give you the ultimate gift. And that will help you in every area of your life and especially in the spiritual area of your life. He's going to give you the, the thing that you need the most, his very presence with you. And as you have the Holy Spirit in your life, what the Holy Spirit does is it's like um, the one vehicle I have. You know, when I put it in reverse and I back it up, and as the rear bumper gets close to an item, it starts beeping. Beep, 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 beep. You know, it's very annoying, but it's good. It's like, oh, oh, I'm getting close to something. I'm going to hit something. The Holy Spirit will tweak your conscience. You begin moving in a direction, or you've crossed a line, and, this, and, the, and then suddenly you feel guilt. You feel conviction. Why? Because you have violated something that God has said you shouldn't be doing. And, and, and at that point, that, that's your opportunity to repent, to ask for forgiveness, and to find restoration with God. Right? This is what the Holy Spirit does to you. As you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will help you to understand what words are written in there. You're like, this doesn't make sense to me. God, would you help me? And the Holy Spirit helps and is a teacher and guides you into the truth. Looks like you're about to receive the ultimate gift, the very presence of God in you. And as you walk about with the presence of God in you, you are a temple. You're a dwelling place of God. In the past, God dwelt in big buildings in Jerusalem, I mean, he, you know, in the tabernacle, but now God dwells in you. And he is also a resource for prayer. I mean, Romans would say at times, you don't even know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays with you and through you with groans that cannot be uttered. I mean, God has given you the ultimate resource. So why don't we use it? Because we're lazy? Because we think we got it on our own? And we're missing the greatest opportunity that's in front of us to move forward with God in prayer. So I'm inviting you to join me on a prayer journey. 
if you're a guest here, I don't, you know, you, you can just sort of watch and enjoy and maybe go home and do your prayer thing. That's, that's good too. But New Life people, I'm inviting you into a journey with me in prayer. And, and this is not some weird, you know, spiritual pilgrimage. This is just us discovering a relationship with God. Because at New Life, we're all about moving up and out in New Life in Jesus Christ together. And part of moving up is discovering a communication connection with God through prayer, which Jesus laid out here in, in Luke chapter 11. And so what I've done is, is I've bought a bunch of these little tiny books. On the front, it will say the new up and out prayer primer for New Life Community Church. And it's like old school. Like it's actually, it's a book with paper and a pen and you, you can actually write notes in it and you can carry it around with you. And, you know, I know it's like very antiquated, you know, this is not a, a, an app or something like that, but sometimes I just think you got to go back to the old school stuff. It's a tool. This will not make you a prayer warrior, but it's just a tool. I'm inviting you for the next two months to join me and just marking some things down in your prayer journey. The first few pages will be dedicated to praise, to recognizing who God is, uh, how he can help. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I discovered today that God is my father. I have a relationship with him. His name is to be honored and made holy. His kingdom is to come. I mean, as I was reading Psalms, I discovered God is my rock and my refuge. I discovered in, in the Old Testament, too, that God is, is Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord, my provider. And I can begin to write those things down in the beginning because I, I want to set my heart right as I begin my prayers with the focus on God. In the back part of my book, I have a, you know, a, a page dedicated to, to my family, my extended family, my relatives. I have a, a, a page dedicated to community, people that I know, that I'm praying for. I have a, dedica- a page dedicated to missions countries to people I know and, and missionary friends that I have and churches that I've connected with over the years. And so I've got a whole page dedicated to that. I've, and I've got this sort of uh, a page dedicated to churches, all these churches around in, in Lloyd and other places that I've known that I'm praying for. And so, so, and then what you're going to have here, if you take one of these books, is this week you're going to have a page dedicated to Thanksgiving. And as you think of things, you're going to grab that little book and just be, yeah, Lord, I'm thankful for that. Maybe people will come to mind, and then you grab your book and say, Lord, for some reason you brought up that guy from high school or that, that girl from my 4-H club or that, that co-worker that I knew 10 years ago. For some reason you brought them to mind, so I'm writing them down. I'm going to pray for them. I don't know what, what's going on. Weird things happen when people pray. I remember waking up in the middle of the night. It was November 2008 with just this burden to pray for Russia specifically for the family that I met there, this connection I had. And I didn't know anything, but I just knew that I needed to pray for them in that moment. And um, it would come out within the next day or two that, yes, at that moment, the dear brother that I knew, the pastor there, the, the bishop of the region, was dying of cancer. His family was all together with him. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, get up and pray for that family. And I did. And you will find yourself in this spiritual connection as you engage in this journey of prayer that you never dreamed possible. People will come to mind. Things will come to mind. Praise will come to mind. Thanksgiving will come to mind. And this is just a little way to just track it and and stay on top of it and and just be reminded that that you are actively engaged in this ministry and in this connection with God through prayer. So if you would like to join me in this, I'm going to invite you. The team's going to come up. They're going to play a couple songs. We're going to all stand as we sing these songs. But if you'd like to, you come up here. You can grab one of these books. I have about 130 of them. 
if you already have a book like this, then don't worry about it. You can use your book. If you would rather do it on your phone and an app, that's okay. You can use Evernote or your notes. Page. Well, I, I, it doesn't matter what you do. And if you don't want to come up at all, that's fine. Just sing the songs and, and, and don't worry about it. There's no pressure to anyone. But I, I would encourage you, if you come and get this, you're saying, I'm committed, Pastor Mike, to, to taking a step forward in prayer this next two months. And we'll continue to talk about the book, and we'll continue to talk about prayer for the next two months. You'll come up here, you'll grab one of these, and there's some pens in front of the books. There's some pens on these two little uh, stands here. Just write your name on the book. Why? Because there's going to be like 150 books running around our church, and you're all going to leave it behind, and we're going to, whose book is this? I don't know. So put your name on the front. See, my name says Pastor Mike. So if you see this book, you can, hey, Pastor Mike, you forgot your prayer book. Are you praying? I, yes, I'm praying. You know, so, you know, you, you know, but, um, and you'll keep that with you. And it'll just be a reminder, and you can maybe review it at the night or in the morning when you're doing your devotions, and you can write down things you're learning about God. But I'm inviting you to just, if you would like, no pressure. It's simply as you feel God is leading you. If you'd like to help and to join me in this, and, and, this, and this tool would be helpful for you, then come and grab one as we sing these songs. Write your name on it. Return to your seat, and we will begin this prayer journey together because I really believe that amazing things happen when God's people pray. I mean, Lisa's teaching Exodus on Wednesday mornings, and what happened is all these people are in a horrible situation. They're enslaved. They're being beaten, mistreated, and they call out to God, and God hears them. And the greatest miracle of the Old Testament occurs in the response to prayer. What about our city? What about our provinces? What about our country? It's a mess. He invites us to join him in prayer first, and then we will follow him into action. But let's start with a step forward in prayer. And so team is going to lead us. Would you stand with the team if you want to come forward? Um, and we'll just go till they're all gone or we'll have some left over, whatever. But if you'd like to join me to be a part of this, if you already have something that you use, that's fine. If you don't want, you want to just sit there and sing, no, no big deal. But they're here. Pastor Ben is going to lead us and we're just going to sing a couple songs. I invite you, if you'd like to, to join me. Grab one of these and put your name on it. Let's begin a journey of prayer together.